Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I served as a pastor for 38 years. I've been retired for uh, three or four years from that. But uh, back when I started, it was just what you said. Uh, You could pretty much open the doors and you could expect people to be there. But nowadays, it's pretty much the opposite. And we're seeing a lot of situations now where the church has stopped working. But does that mean that we can't celebrate God in other ways? Today's guest is David Wentz. And he says that if church has stopped working for you, but your spirit knows something is missing, God may be calling you to try something new. He says that you don't need a preacher. You don't need a special building. All you need is a few friends, a little faith. And his new book, When Church Stops Working, he's going to dig deeper into this topic today on Connections. We're joined today by David Wentz. He's a pastor. Not only are you a pastor, you're also an author with a very interesting book called When Church Stops Working. We're living in a completely different time right now when it comes to church. Back in the day, the pews were filled. People were, you know, flocking to church on a regular basis. But that's not how things are really going nowadays. And I know the pandemic obviously had an impact on this as well. But tell us a little bit about what the world is looking like when it comes to congregations and when it comes to church. Well, I'll tell you what, it is a very different thing. I served as a pastor for 38 years. I've been retired for uh, three or four years from that. But uh, back when I started, it was just what you said. Uh, You could pretty much open the doors and you could expect people to be there. But nowadays, it's pretty much the opposite. And uh, the attraction model of getting people to come to a building was failing even before the pandemic, but that really kind of uh, made a, a, a real end to it. And then people started finding they could uh, get some t- uh, church experience over the internet or uh, on TV, but there's nothing that can uh, really substitute for in-person, personal interaction with another group of Christians, where you can hug each other if you need to, you can hold hands to pray if that's how you do it. Uh, It's just not the same over Zoom, or especially not on TV. No, it's definitely a different feel and a different, uh, different experience altogether. What do you think has stopped people from not wanting to come in. I know you mentioned how we really didn't have um, a way of welcoming people, that that way wasn't working. But what else would you say was really hindering the church from bringing more people in? Well, right now, uh, I think there is a lot of bad press. And part of that is due to the church, because the church, quite frankly, is not very good at advertising the good things it does. Mm. But uh, there's a lot of negative uh And the church has frankly brought an awful lot of that on itself, the institutional church. And when I say the church here, I'm talking about the institution, the conventional churches, the denominations, the bureaucracies, if you will, as opposed to, and I, I, when I say as opposed, that doesn't necessarily mean they're always opposed, but the, the biblical church the way that it happened in the New Testament didn't have these layers of bureaucracy and there was no institution to protect. It was people meeting in their homes. Uh, a lot of people don't realize when uh, Paul addresses his church, his uh, epistle to uh, the church in Ephesus, for instance, the Ephesians uh, epistle, 
it was not one building where everybody in Ephesus went to church. It was the combination of all the different home churches, because that's the only place they had to meet. So people met together in homes led by just ordinary Christians, and that is how the church grew. And as a matter of fact, that's how the church is still working in places like Iran and China. And the house church movement is uh, perhaps the fastest growing movement uh, among Christians in North America and uh, perhaps Europe, uh, just because of uh, people are tired of legalism, they're tired of judgmentalism, they're tired of politics from one side or the other. They're all the bad press about uh, sex scandals, just all kinds of things that turn people off of church. On top of the fact that when people read the Bible and they experience uh, or read about the experience of God's presence, and Jesus said, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Unfortunately, in way too many churches, conventional churches, that sense of God's presence is just really hard to find. For someone who may be feeling that way or feeling all that negativity within the church, they're still there and they're still kind of contemplating what to do. Should they pull away from the church or should they try to look for help or try to look for another way to deal with this? That's always an individual decision that they need to uh, spend a lot of time in prayer and uh, talking. I would certainly recommend if somebody is still in a church, go talk to the pastor. Pastors usually are even more aware of all the conflicts and more concerned about them. And if it's something that the pastor did or said, they may not even know it or, uh, you know, that, that you took it that way, they may be able to explain it. But, uh, if church, conventional church, just isn't working for you, the point of my book, When Church Stops Working, is that people can still be the biblical church, can still experience that I am there among them, presence of Jesus in their living rooms. Uh, they don't need a professional seminary trained pastor. They don't need a building with pews. Jesus, that the first part of that verse says, where two or three gather together is my followers. And that's all that's needed. It's a new way to look at things. And a lot of people are going to have to wrap their heads around that for those who are kind of challenged by this thought. What would you say? I would say it sounds new, but it is actually the most ancient way. As I said, that's how the initial church started. It's how uh, revival and reform movements have started throughout history. And uh, it's how actually many current churches have been planted. If they didn't have a denomination that had a lot of money to throw into uh, renting a space and, and uh, paying a paid pastor to go out and knock on doors and try and start a church, a lot of churches started this way in people's living rooms. And it's unbelievable what they've grown into and how they are reaching people. And one thing you mentioned is that God has three purposes for his gathered people. Can you tell us what those three things are? So if you are having this church, you know, a home church setting, you only need these three things to make it work. That's right. Well, it's it's 
I, I say, why did God invent church? And some people say, what do you mean invent church? But it, it, it came from him, you know, the idea, the inspiration came from God. I go back to the fact that throughout the Bible, and especially in the words of Jesus, God is described as father. And a father wants primarily three things. He wants a home where he can come and be comfortable. Uh, he wants a uh, children to grow up like him. And uh, then in God's case, because God's love is infinite and overflowing and he doesn't have all the limitations that human families have in terms of space and, and money and everything, God wants everybody in the world into the family. And so the Bible says God is enthroned on the praises of his people. So he sits our praise, our worship gives him a place to sit and be comfortable. So that's the first part, creating a, a family home for God uh, just by our welcoming his presence. Because throughout the Bible, it says God wants to dwell among his people. He came and walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He uh, had the tabernacle built uh, during the Exodus. He had the temples. And now the Bible says that we, are the church, every believer, all together, we are the temple of God, the place where God lives. So the second one, raising people up, raising his children up to be like Jesus is, is what we call uh, discipleship, and then inviting everybody into the family is evangelism. And then there's seven things that every Christian gathering should do to fulfill these three purposes. Can you just give us an idea of what some of those are? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you start, as I mentioned, with worship, worship, discipleship, caring for the other members, um, service to the community, evangelism. And uh, I think those five were Rick Warren's five purposes for the church. But I've added two that I think that he probably just took for granted or assumed. One is uh, having an impact on the society. Jesus's um, mission statement, if you will, uh, Bill Johnson said this uh, when I first, uh, where I first heard it, that Jesus' mission statement is in the Lord's Prayer where he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So every place that earth is not like heaven, that's a place where God's will is not being fully done, and it's a call to action for Christians. And much of that in, involves uh, societal change, um, it, it, that kind of influence on the society, getting Christian values influenced into the society. And I, I want to say right here that I am not heading towards any direction of political kind of influence. I think we've seen that doesn't work. But sometimes God calls us to work in these areas. The church if you look around the world, the places where the uh, standards of living, the most freedom, uh, women's rights, education, all of those things, uh, abolition of slavery, mental health reform, all of those things have been led by Christians around the world. And the places in the world where they are uh, predominant are places where Christianity has had the most uh, societal influence a cultural influence. So that's the sixth one. And the seventh one, which underlies everything, uh, is prayer. And so the church is called to prayer 
that uh, that's how we get our uh, instructions from God. That's how we request uh, the resources and support. And uh, so those are the seven. When the church stops working, is there a way to stop that from happening in the midst of it? If you can see that starting in your own church, you see that things are going awry, you're noticing people are leaving. Is there a way to stop that and to quickly change things around by using what we just said? I'll tell you what, quite frankly, I would love to say, yes, there's a magic (laughs) solution. Uh, In 38 years as a pastor, I never discovered it. Um, But on the other hand, I did have pretty good success as a pastor. So maybe I discovered it and didn't really realize it. Some of the churches I came into, I was a denomination where the the, uh, church pastors were moved from church to church every few years. And several of them that I came into had been going downhill and I was able to turn them around by focusing on those kinds of things. So uh, it's it's not always, you know, I'm not going to say this is uh, Dr. Wince's magic solution, try this and, and uh, your church will grow. But um, I think if you focus, if you have clarity about God's three purposes for the church and the seven functions of the church that carry those things out and focus on those, I, I think it's got to make things better. At the end of the day, you're not saying that church is, you know, in, in situations where there is some negativity and whatnot. It's not bad, but maybe there's a different way nowadays to doing things. Well, my focus in, in writing this book was not how to fix churches. Uh, an awful lot of churches do a great job. They bless millions of people and praise the Lord for that. However, with the things that have been going on recently, denominational splits in particular, uh, made me start thinking about this, my own denomination, uh, where uh, they're going through right now an issue of uh, churches deciding whether to stay with the denomination or not, and the church takes a vote, and uh, those who want to, who feel uncomfortable with the current direction of the denomination lose the vote, and so therefore they don't feel comfortable going back to that church, what do they do? Uh, and they're not, they can't find another church they like, or a church, somebody that's just gotten fed up with whatever. My focus is on those people who are still Christians, who feel like for whatever reason, and maybe even temporarily, they can't still be a part of uh, whatever local churches are within easy driving distance of them. My point is they don't have to therefore stop being Christians and stop meeting with other Christians and stop experiencing the blessings of that fellowship with other Christians and the presence of Jesus wherever two or three are gathered. There's still an option out there for them. Absolutely. For those interested in learning about your book, When Church Stops Working, uh, learning about you, how can they go about doing that? The easiest way is to go to uh, my author page on Amazon. Uh, it lists uh, the other books I've written and it gives kind of a bio. Uh, that's uh, David Wentz. Uh, go to Amazon and uh, and type in David Wentz, uh, When Church Stops Working, and that will take you to the book and describe the book. 
and then there's a place where you can click on the author page that gives some bio and some other pictures and so on. Uh, you can also order the book through any uh, bookstore and uh, the audio book version of it uh, should be coming up this week as, as this is aired. It should be coming live on Audible and uh, Apple. And uh, so those are some options. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens. I would love to hear people's responses uh, through reviews or whatever. Have you heard any responses or reviews from those who've had the opportunity to take a look uh, at your work and at this? Oh, and some amazing reviews. Uh, it, it really surprised me how well it's been uh, accepted. And, and uh, people, the, the larger number of people who said, this is what I was looking for. This describes mm -hmm. my experience with church. And uh, reviews have talked about how it's a book for this time. They often all, uh, talk about how uh, easy it is to read and how non-judgmental. And I, I don't bash churches, just the opposite. Mm -hmm. I don't bash pastors, just the opposite. Um, but I, I have been really blessed by the reviews. I'm excited to hear more moving forward uh, about what you hear from people. Thank you so much for making time for us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Colleen. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.